Welcome, everyone. You excited to be here? Great. Welcome. Uh, we welcome everybody. We're glad to see you here today. And uh, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here. And hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together today. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us today. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, just put your name, address, and check the appropriate box on there. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out each Thursday, please be sure to put your email address on there. It's a great way to keep up with the activities going on here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, I can tell from your reaction that you really enjoyed our, pra our prelude today, didn't you? That was courtesy of James Parker Pritchett, our guest organist today. James, thank you so much for that. Uh, you are a talented young man, and we thank you for uh, sharing your talent with us this morning. A few announcements uh, that I, I want to bring to your attention. Uh, first of all, uh, we're getting up a group of folks to go to a Sandy Patty concert on July the 27th in Louisville. Do we have, still have tickets available, available for that? We've got seven tickets available. Seven, seven tickets available to that, and they're $15 apiece. And so if you would like to go hear Sandy Patty, and it's a great opportunity, folks. I mean, she is a tremendous singer. If you'd like to go, please see Kirk or Pam, and, um, and they'll be glad to take care of you. That's July the 27th, and I think we're going to go up and kind of make a day of it, eat dinner, and, and, uh, and share that time in Louisville. Also, uh, it didn't make the uh, bulletin today, but there will be a brief uh, upward meeting at 4.30 uh, today just to kind of pull together some loose ends. And um, let's see here. There's something else going on today. Hmm. What could that be? And did, were you surprised? Yes. <laughs> we did it, folks. We kept it from her. Today, we have a big celebration, Dorothy Powell's 80th birthday celebration is today. We're going to be coming back to the church. Yeah. We're, we're going to be coming back to the church and, and helping her to celebrate between 4 and 6 uh, this afternoon. So I hope that all of you can come back and, and uh, share your birthday greetings with Dorothy today. Uh, but just in case you can't come back, I want to invite everybody to let's stand up and sing Dorothy, Happy Birthday. <laughs> While you're still standing, greet each other in the name of the Lord.
Please join me in our responsive reading for today titled Gospel, uh, printed in your, in your worship folder and, and on the screen. We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, who comes to free the captives, heal the sick, and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. We believe in a continually caring Christ whose example encourages us to risk ourselves for the sake of the gospel. We believe in a continually caring community called the church, which is the physical presence of Christ in the world. We believe in continually committing our lives to freedom and justice and healing, sharing our belief that the God who created us calls us still. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and, and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on the snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. I do. Good morning. 
how are you? Oh, you'll need to come a little closer because I have something for us to do. Were you listening to the words that were just read from the Bible? Sometimes we can pick up meanings from words. They're called context clues. When I used to teach school, I used to love context clues. And I was thinking, the Bible gives us some context clues. Uh, This is my friend, Leslie. She's going to be my helper. And we're working in pairs. Everybody needs a fork and everybody needs a paper towel. So, Leslie, can you take care of that? We're going to work together while she's getting you a fork and a paper towel. The scripture that was just read, I'm going to pick out some context clues. The Lord appointed 70 others. Well, today I'm not quite 70. I'm a little over halfway to 70. (sighs) But I'm really happy to be where I am today. And the Lord sent them out in pairs. What's a synonym? What's another word for pair? Match, couple, two, deuce, deuces. Deuces, you ever heard that, deuces? Um, He sent them out in pairs. And then he said, stay in the house eating and drinking whatever they give you. So I thought, "Mm, I would really like to stay in a house where they give you chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) And I'm not a very good cook. About the only thing that I'm very good at is I've been experimenting because I really like science. You will need a pair. How many is in a pair? Show me with fingers good listening skills, you'll need a pair of cookies. Pass those around. You'll need a pair of cookies. And then the Bible kind of tells us about the personality of God. It says, way towards the end of what Chris read, it said, the 70 returned with joy. Show me with your face what it means to be joyful. I brushed my teeth twice this morning so that Yeah. Oh, good. I didn't see it all. Let me see. Joy. Joy. Okay. Well, to put those pairs together, we need, Leslie, we need help here. Because you need some cement to put the cookies together. So, your fork needs a pair. Okay? So, let's see if you can figure this out because God gives us a brain to figure things out. So, can you figure it out with me? Show me what you would do with your pair. You have a clue? We've got to go fast because Brother Tim wants to preach. I can tell that he's just filled with the Holy Spirit. He's got something on his heart to preach with. Come on, let's get it together. Come on. Because I brought me a helper. I'm going to set it for how many is a pair? Two. Got two minutes. When it goes off, we're done. Whether you got your helper creamy cheese or not, then I'm going to reread because this applies. The Bible's got words to speak for kids too. You better go fast. Look, I'll show you what I would do with mine. Because I made, I think God's busy all the time while we talk, while we sleep. So I think, I think God would want bigger cookies. So I didn't have a great big pan, but I thought, you know, he would want like great big size cookies. So anyway, they went out and listened to what they did. He told them, he said... Stay in the house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. And I thought, oh, what if they gave me hominy? 
Or what if, what if they gave me green beans? And then I prayed, oh, dear God, please let them be from the south where they put bacon grease or lard with the green beans. And then, please, God, please let there be like a special doctor called a cardiologist that would be there to go with that when I needed them. Oh, look, hold it up so everybody out there can see because I didn't bring enough chocolate chip cookies. Put it together. You have my permission to eat right here in church because it's God's house. Are you done with yours too? Good. Also, look, look, using my thinking skills, I brought a garbage sack because we can reduce, reuse, and recycle. Go ahead and put your fork right in there because there's no seconds. You have to be happy with what you got. There you go. And look, we're beating the timer. What if they gave you some kind of food that you didn't like? You just have to be happy with what you got. And for the laborer, labor means work. We have to work for our wages. We have to work for what we get. For the laborer uh, is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. You be happy with what you get. We're done. Amen. <laughs> put your put helper. Thank you, Leslie, for being a good helper. When I pray, I sometimes I close my eyes so that I don't think about everybody else. I just think about God. Sometimes I put my hands together out of reverence because I want to, my body only to think about God. And I'm going to say a prayer for us. Dear God in heaven, God who created um, work for us to do, God who gives us commands to go and to obey, to obey the first time that we hear them, God who gives us helpers to go and do our work, who sends us out into the world, not alone, but that you are with us. Thank you for this day that we have food, that we have shelter, and that we have children to teach uh, your ways and your commands. It's by the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross that we have our eternal life. Amen. So good to see you today.
me, please? Touch our hearts, dear God, with your love so that we may share our resources with others. May your grace shown to us in Jesus Christ make us generous givers. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, since I'm the oldest, I guess I'll go on and introduce us. I'm Joy, pal Hope, and most of you remember me when I was a little girl. I have my husband, Tim, here, my daughter, Melissa. We have two sons, Matt and Mark, and they are married to Jenny Laurie and Aaron. And we have two grandchildren. Some mother has two great-grandchildren. 
Luke and the newest one who was born two weeks ago, Elizabeth Rachel, and we live in Dallas, Texas. I'm Inda Powell. You see me from time to time. Sometimes I come with mom. Um, I want to let you all know, any of you that can come this afternoon, please do come. Uh, Mom's a soft-spoken woman. She likes to uh, do things behind the scenes, Uh, a lot of things that y'all don't know that she did to us, but uh, (laughs) you might might hear some of those later this afternoon. And uh, we we do want to extend the invitation and please come and uh, celebrate her 80th with us. I'm Shanda Powell Thixton, and I'm married to Dwayne, and he's not here. He's at Trinity Methodist Church this morning, but he'll be here this afternoon. My two children are here, John and Sarah, and my mother-in-law, Bonnie Fingston, and we do live here in uh, Henderson, and my children, John lives in Louisville, and Sarah's in Lexington. I'm Daryl. Y'all know me anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ronald, my wife. Jay is here, and I have two children, and they'll probably be here this afternoon.
How great is that? Wasn't that wonderful? Dorothy, I know you are thrilled to have your whole family together here today, and what a treat it is to have them to share their talents and song with us today. You know, I think that's, I've heard different parts of the family from time to time, but I think this is the first time I've heard everybody. What a treat. Thank you so much for that. Have you, um, have you ever noticed that uh, sometimes we try to take the edge off of some of the hardest things that, that, that we do by, by laughing at them? You ever heard, you ever thought about that? You ever noticed that? Well, no one, especially mothers, would ever contend that having a baby isn't one of the hardest things a woman could ever do. And so in the spirit of taking the edge off, let me share with you a few funnies on the subject of labor and delivery. Um, most of them are in the form of a question and answer. Question, what is the most common pregnancy craving that a woman has? Answer, for men to be the ones who get pregnant. <laughs> question, what is the most reliable method to determine a baby's sex? Answer, Childbirth. Question, should I have a baby after 40? Answer, no. 40 children is way too many already. <laughs> Question, I'm two months pregnant now. When will my baby move? Answer, with any luck, right after college. Question, ever since I've been pregnant, I haven't been able to go to bed at night without onion rings. Is this a normal craving? Answer, depends on what you're doing with them. Question, my childbirth instructor says it's not pain I'll feel during labor, but pressure. Is she right? Answer, yes, in the same way that a tornado might be called an air current. And then there's the guy who phones into the hospital and yells, you've got to send me help. My wife is in labor. And so the nurse says, calm down, calm down. Is this her first child? And the man replies, no, this is her husband. <laughs> well, today we are not going to talk about those who are in labor, uh, but we are going to talk about laborers. Uh, you see, Jesus is looking for laborers, for people who will labor for his kingdom. In Luke 10, chapters, I mean, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, we are told that the Lord appointed seven other, or 70 others and sent them out ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he intended to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field. Now, notice, first of all, that Jesus appointed 70 disciples to prepare the way for his ministry. And some manuscripts say 72, but it, it doesn't really matter. The, the point is that, that Jesus obviously had a large number of followers here. And on this occasion, he sent them out in pairs, two by two, undoubtedly for the purpose of mutual encouragement and help. It seems that Jesus saw a tremendous need 
that required a large group of workers to fulfill that need. The harvest is plentiful, he said, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field. Now, I believe that Jesus' words ring just as true for us today as they did long ago. Because, folks, listen to this. The harvest is still plentiful. People today still need what Christ has to offer. People today are spiritually hungry. People's lives today are just as messed up as in any generation before. And the world is crying out to us, we need a Savior. Or in Jesus' words, the harvest is plentiful. Now, as far as the motivation for this is concerned, Christ's call for laborers is not based on some kind of a desire to, to build the largest church in town, nor is it based on the desire to cram our values down someone else's throat. That's not what it's all about. It's none of that. Instead, Christ's call for laborers is based on the need that this generation and every generation has. For you see, this world is in desperate need of a Savior. I'm sure that you have heard the expression that the church is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for the hurting. You ever heard that expression? The church is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for the hurting. And ideally speaking, that is absolutely the truth. And my friends, if you understand that the church is above all else a place for people who have problems, then you can easily see what Jesus meant when he said that the harvest is plentiful. Pastor Jeremy Houck uh, put it this way. He said, The church is designed for the single mother who works two jobs to support her kids. The church is for the drug addict who is struggling to stop his his, his habit. The church is for the young person who struggles with self-esteem. The church is for the young couple who lives together and has never been exposed to the best way to build a home. The church is for the man who does not respect his boss, so he steals from the company and his co-workers. The church is for the housewife who goes out searching for some excitement in the arms of another man. The church is for the alcoholic who is ready to admit that he needs help. When you think about this, you could probably see why so many churches don't grow these days. It's because they're looking for the wrong audience. Think about that, folks. You see, they're looking for people who have it all together, not the ones who are falling apart. They're looking for the up and ins and not the down and outs. And they're looking for the saints and not for the sinners. And for many churches today, we're looking right over the harvest and not even seeing it. What was it that Jesus said? Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And he said, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. So you see, the harvest is plentiful if you know where to look. Some of you may be familiar with the uh, Celebrate Recovery programs that have been popping up around the country. 
Uh, Celebrate Recovery services uh, are designed to reach those who have had problems with alcohol or drugs, but also for people who who are hurting because they were abused as children or are suffering after a suffering loss after a divorce or the loss of a spouse. One man tells about visiting a Celebrate Recovery service one Thursday evening. He said it was loud, but the band was great. However, here's what impressed me, he said. More than 400 people, primarily young people in their 20s and 30s, were gathered in one place. Some of them had been through rough times, and at least half of them were men. Can can you imagine that? Who says that the church can't reach people in their 20s and 30s? And who says the church can't reach men anymore? In this service, he reports, More than 400 young and middle-aged adults, more than half of them men, were lifting up the name of Jesus. Why? Because the church was meeting them at the point of their need. And folks, there are a lot of people in this world today who desperately need what Jesus has to offer. But unfortunately, some people have built up a buffer zone around them. And it may be a surprise what that buffer zone is. Good health, material possessions, people who love them. And unfortunately, that good life that our society provides for many of us, that's precisely what keeps a lot of people from realizing that the most important need that they have is Jesus. They feel like they don't need anything. They've got it all, but they don't realize they really need Jesus. Don't kid yourself, folks. They still need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus was speaking directly to us when he said, the harvest is plentiful. But what Jesus really needs are laborers who will go out into the fields. My friends, do... Do you understand that this is the primary reason for the church's existence? It is to reach out in love as Jesus reached out to a hurting world around him. The last thing that Jesus did before he left this earth was to give us the great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. That's our marching orders, folks. That is our primary purpose. Now, it's not our only purpose, of course. We are also to be a charitable organization. We are to provide for those who cannot provide for themselves. Remembering how Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me drink and I was a stranger and you invited me in and I was sick and in prison and you looked after me. We are given the mandate to be merciful. We are also called to be responsible members of our community. We are to support community organizations that work for peace and justice in the world. We are to maintain a a house of worship that like we have gathered here today, and we are to gather each week to worship God and to teach the sacred word. But as vital as these things are, they're not the only thing. 
Maybe not even the main thing. You see, our main business is to introduce the world to Jesus Christ to the extent that people will become his disciples. And I know that that's not an easy thing for most of us to do. When we think about sharing our faith with other people, that those butterflies just kind of crumb up in our stomach and we don't know what to do or how to do it. It makes us nervous. It puts us on edge. And that's true of most of us. You may have heard about the man who started each day with a prayer. He prayed the same prayer every morning. He said, Lord, if you want me to share my faith with somebody today, give me a sign and show me who it is. He prayed that prayer every single morning. And one day this man found himself on a city bus. He was riding to a stop, and a big burly man came down the aisle and sat right next to him. And this was a little weird because the bus was pretty empty, almost empty. But this big burly man came and sat right next to the man who had been praying every day for a sign that if he should share his faith. And, and having this big burly man sitting next to him made him a little bit nervous. What's this guy sitting next to me for? And so he was just sitting there anxiously waiting for his stop so he could get off the bus as quickly as he could. But before he got to the, the next stop, the, the big burly man started to cry. And then the man cried out with a loud voice, My life is such a mess, I need to find Jesus. Can't somebody tell me how to know the Lord? And finally the burly man turned to our friend and and asked, Can you tell me about Jesus? And our nervous friend immediately bowed his head and prayed, Lord, is this a sign? (laughs) Well, duh. What do you need, neon? I guess most of us are not very comfortable sharing our faith with a stranger. But, and maybe it's easier to do if we're with a friend. Maybe that's why Jesus sent these witnesses out two by two. And there was a time when churches used to do that all the time. They sent people out two by two to evangelize the neighborhoods and and our Jehovah's Witness and, and Mormon friends still do it that way. And I, I don't think it's a very effective technique anymore, but they, they're still out there. But, you know, these days people don't want strangers knocking on their door like they used to. I heard about a woman who worked at home, and she invited a friend to come over for, for coffee one day, and she told her friend, just ignore the sign on the door. It's there for drop-ins and salespeople. And, So the woman arrived. She saw that the sign read, Bell does not work. And then penciled underneath, someone wrote, Knocking won't work either. (laughs) My guess is that she didn't have a whole lot of of visitors. And there's one guy that that says that there was a a knock at his door uh, one cold, rainy day, and he he opened up the door, and, and there stood two soaking wet, Mormon missionaries standing there shivering in the cold and he felt so sorry for them that he invited them inside and he brought them into his living room and offered them a chair and they just sat there quietly for a long while and then the guy asked, what happens now? And the older one said, we don't know, we've never gotten this far before. 
I guess going out two by two was once an effective strategy for reaching people for Christ, but I, I don't think it's so effective these days. And that means that we need to find new ways of extending the call of Christ to a new generation. So what do we know about this new generation of young adults? Well, we know that they value relationships. And as someone has put it, they're not looking for a friendly church. They're looking for friends. And we know that they despise phoniness. They want people to be genuine. And they like informality, including casual dress. One writer tells about a friend of his, a woman who he has never seen in anything but blue jeans and a kind of a frumpy shirt that she bought at a, at a uh, thrift store. And that's because he's never seen her anywhere but at church. But recently he, did, he found out that she's, she actually comes from a very wealthy family, living on a multi-million dollar estate. And, and so she, he wondered, why is she so underdressed? Well, here it is. It was a commitment that she made, and it's because she doesn't want anyone coming to her church and feeling that they won't be accepted because they can't afford nice clothing. That's a commitment that she made many years ago. And, and if she wanted to, she could, she could wear the best designer clothes and carry the finest Gucci accessories, but instead she wanted everyone to know that you don't have to belong to a certain socioeconomic group to be welcoming God's house. My friends, it's a new world out there. It's a more casual world. Even, even you go to the doctor, your, your doctor may be wearing blue jeans as, as he or she is treating you. So we might look at our church and ask ourselves, what can we do to make our worship and our life together as a church family more appealing to those who need what Christ has to offer. Perhaps we need to be more relational, more genuine, less formal, more casual. But you know what? Sometimes the only thing that is needed, now listen to this, folks. This is important. Sometimes the only thing that is needed is a simple invitation. You got that? Sometimes that's all that's needed. Surveys show that if you invite a friend to go to church, 50% of the time they'll come. And that percentage goes up with the second time you ask, or the third time, or the fourth time. The problem is that most of us are reluctant to ask. You may know the story of Garrison Keeler the host of the popular public radio program, Prairie Home Companion. Uh, Garrison Keeler was brought up in a, in a fringe group of the Plymouth Brethren Church. And as he describes it, this was a church that was heavy on legalism and judgment and dullness, in his words. So Keeler was put off by this. He was raised in that, and when he got older, he was so put off by it that he just stopped going altogether, stopped going to church. And from then on, people would ask him, do you go to church? And he would say, no. And then they would say, well, why don't you go to church? And he would tell them why, because he was put off because of the way he was raised there. And that ritual served him pretty well for 
a long period of time until a Lutheran friend engaged him in those same two stock questions. You go to church? No. Well, why don't you go to church? And so he told them. But this time his friend surprised him with a third question. Why don't you come with us? Well, since he had, no, he had uh, never been asked that question before, he didn't have a stock answer. And before he knew it, he found himself saying, okay. And that's all it took. And he was back in the fold. Now, wouldn't it have been a shame if no one had asked? My friends, Jesus tells us that the fields are ready for harvest. And people out there need Jesus just as much today as they ever have needed Him before. And the greatest need that Christ has today is for laborers who are willing to share their faith with their friends. Christ needs people who are sensitive to the needs of others in this fast-changing world, knowing that sometimes the only thing that's needed is a simple invitation. So here's the question I have for you today. Can Christ count on you to give that invitation? The harvest is plentiful, says Jesus, but the laborers, they are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field. Would you go? Would you become a worker? A laborer? In God's kingdom? That's what Christ is asking of us today. Would you go? Amen. We're going to sing today, uh, together hymn number 287, Take My Life, Lead Me, Lord. Make my life useful to thee. Uh, that's what we've been talking about today. We've been talking about allowing God to make our lives useful for God's kingdom. We're talking about freeing up our own inhibitions and our own hang-ups about uh, sharing our faith and, and reaching out into the community in ways that people will not only hear what, I, what we believe about Christ, but we'll see it in our lives. That's what Jesus is looking for. People who will be genuine. Because that world out there, they need Christ. They need Christ. And we need to take, it, take Christ to them. Are you willing to make that commitment to be a laborer in God's kingdom today? Maybe you need to make a commitment to follow Christ for the first time today. Or maybe you need to make a commitment to unite with our church as we seek to be the presence of Christ and serve a world in need. If God's dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come as we sing together number 287. Take my life. Lead me, Lord. Make my life useful.
benediction of blessing rest upon our dear ones and friends, wherever they may be today. Go with us to our homes and our work. And give us that kind of spirit that will not forget your presence with us always. Remove every form of pride or self-deception that would cause us to look with disdain upon another. Enable us to be persons of reconciliation and restoration as we go in the peace and in the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.